Okay, hi everybody and welcome to Better. I am Dr. John Duffy, one of your hosts, and with me is the beautiful, brilliant, bodacious <laughs> Julie Duffy. Is bodacious an appropriate word? I don't think so. I don't think so either. <laughs> Go with your own superlative, but let it be alliterative. Let it begin with B. Um, this is going to be the undue anxiety version of the Better podcast. Yeah, we're going to talk about undue yeah. anxiety. Well, we realized that uh, for quite some time, we did this podcast about anxiety called Undue Anxiety, which was, I loved it. and I. It loved wasn't just phrase. about anxiety, but no. it was called Undue Anxiety. Right. But on this podcast, we haven't really talked about anxiety. And yet, one of the ways we make our lives better is by recognizing those areas in which we are anxious and how we best manage those areas, right? Yes. And... To kind of conceptualize anxiety, there are there you can you can Google the diagnostics, but effectively, what you're looking at is anxiety is effectively the fear of fear, the bodily manifestation and the cognitive, the thought manifestation of fear. It's 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 your it's your core um, fear component in your personality in your psyche. It is also, I would argue, the body's most potent liar. Anxiety is a kick-ass liar, man. I mean, the best liar because what it's going to tell you, it's really stealth and smart because anxiety is good at telling you a lie only by matter of degree. So it might tell you, you know, um, this is the wrong job for you. And this is a nightmare. This is the worst possible thing that could possibly have happened. How did you let this happen? You cannot undo this. You are screwed as opposed to maybe you should look around for something different to do. Yeah, maybe you should shift something. Yeah, Yeah. right. So it'll take the kernel of doubt or um, self-worth issue that you carry that is manageable and navigable and doable, and it will say... This is catastrophic, right. and you can't fix it. And it might not, it might not yell like that. It might whisper over and over and over and over again. Oh no! Oh no! You you know, you're you can't do this. You're not good enough. In in some way, it, it will say, "You messed up. You can't do it. You can't undo it. You're not good enough. Stay down. Stay asleep. Don't bother." It, it's it's and it, you know. And it can be kind of relentless. It's that little devil on your shoulder that you don't even know is there most of the time. But or it, you do, unfortunately. Well, <laughs> some, some people. But, but you know, and it's, it's talking in loops over and over again. Same thing mm. over and over again. And often it's exactly what you were saying. Like, you're not good enough. You're really not good enough. You're not good enough. Look at you. Yeah, don't bother. You're don't bother. Don't bother. Come on. You know, who you kidding? Yeah. You know, and um, and it's more pervasive and constant. And something's wrong with you and, you know. And sometimes it's like this little, like, seed of something you gathered when you were young. You know what I mean? Like um, <laughs> my friend Mike and I, when we were kids, the, the um, when we were going to go to, to a, we were planning on going to the, you know, really good college and making something big of our lives. And in our heads, we always had our mothers saying, who do you think you are? <laughs> and that, you know, we will talk about that, you know, now and still like both of us carry a little strand of that. You know, we've both written books 
that have done pretty well. We've both done some TV appearances. And there's this little bit of like, oh, yeah, you really think you're something, don't you? You really think, huh. really? Yeah. Wow. Well, you think that's a thing? Yeah. That's not a thing. You know, like, <laughs> nice try. <laughs> well, there you have it. So that's that. Well, that's anxiety, right? It's um, it's that usually that's that little thing telling you, mm, nope, it's not what you think it is. You're or you're not who you think you are. You know, you don't have what it takes. And then your body often reacts, like you know, for those of us who suffer from a panic disorder or um, OCD or post traumatic disorder, your body will react violently to these things, you know, to absolutely create something that feels catastrophic. So if you are OCD, you know, you convince yourself that if I don't do X, then Y is going to happen. And Y is horrible. Y is the worst thing. Yeah. So I got to do X. And there is no logical connection between X and Y. And you take any person who suffers from this kind of thing, and they are keenly aware in their logical mind right that there's no lo- there's no connection but the anxious mind wins way too often because yeah. um, like we were talking about before we started recording the way out of the loop is first recognize you're in it yeah and and that is a meta trick that anxiety is good at pulling on you because you're you can get so deeply embedded into a way of thinking that it just it feels hardwired. Yeah. I'm not that smart. I'm not good looking. I'm too heavy. I'm not an athlete. I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm not, I'm not, I'm right. not. Wow. Hardcore. <laughs> so <laughs> to mean. It, to hear it like that. Anxiety is an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Such an asshole. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously. And, and relentless. No, oh my God! Talk. I've talked about this. You know, when we started this podcast. My "You're Not Good Enough" voice was, you know, really chattering away. And I, the way I dealt with that was to start talking to it and say, "Hey, it's okay. You know, this is going to be fun. Don't worry. I, I see you. You're just scared, and 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 it's okay. Calm down." <laughs> that is, that is some killer cognitive therapy right there. Right? I mean, to. Take anxiety, um, make it an entity that you are dealing with in your mind. Almost like Freud picked apart the mind and said, this part's separate, this part's separate, this part's separate. To say, my anxious mind is a separate entity, and all she needs is to be told everything's okay. Yeah, if you look at it, it's, it's so, so there, so this is. Because she's freaking out. This she's is one solution. Out. So I think sometimes if we try to run from it, um, you know, if we become afraid of the thoughts, of the feelings, they just grow. So for me, in that moment, I realized, oh, I'm not going to shut it out or send that voice away, try to send that fear away. I'm going to say, hey, I see you. You're afraid. And I'm going to give you a hug and tell you that it's okay. And, and, and I'm not going to send you away. I'm going to tell you, you can come. This is going to be fun. You know, you don't have to just be in that space. You don't have to just be in this fear space. Come over to the other side. Yeah. (laughs) And then I think it can grow the happy, peaceful, courageous part of you. You know, you can keep that energy and shift it. 
So instead of doing the thing we do so often is we approach like that kind of Eastern Zen thinking the way we do the rest of our lives, that that idea that, you know, like, I'm going to download Headspace and I'm going to meditate my ass off, (laughs) you know, just like... um, because that's the nature of our culture, press and make sure and work hard and make it work. And, you know, I, got to, I have to calm correctly, you know, right. instead and, and of that judgment, remove that judgment, right? I mean, that's part of what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah so, yeah, so I think some people struggle with meditating. You know, meditation asks you to gently push away the thoughts, you know, try to just be void of thought. And certainly when you n- notice yourself thinking, try to gently push away the thought, um, which I understand and is, I think, miraculous in a million ways and works in a million ways. Um, but also, again, another way to deal with those really scary voices, you know, in, in coaching school, we called it your gremlin. What's your gremlin? What's that voice that tells you, I'm not good enough, you can't do this, is to re- is to say, okay, Thank you so much for what you've given me. You've provided a great service. I'm going to give you a new job. And I guess in a way, I was saying that um, in a different way. But I decided it didn't feel like it was going to be productive to send it away. (laughs) It felt right to say, it's okay. I see you. I see you. You can come along and and for the fun part. I like both both of those approaches. You know, that either one can be effective and... um, it's weird. I was thinking about, as you're talking about meditation, I don't recommend that for somebody who's in the midst of anxiety in large part because it's so hard. If you're not, if you're not cognizant of the loop, like we were saying a minute ago, then to kind of force, to try to force your mind to clear itself of thought, typically what takes over and intervenes the loop. So a lot of people who are at the forefront of investigating their anxiety, can't can't find that meditative quiet. Well, the, a the, guided the, the meditation is though, so loud. A guided meditation is better. Can be great for that though, because then you're listening. It's not like you're just trying to quiet your mind. Um, well, and Headspace has a great guided meditation for the anxious mind. Oh. it tells you specifically what to do with the anxiety. Oh, I want to check that out. <laughs> that, no, it's really great. Um, and and. To go back to your point about the anxiety, like gone unchecked, it grows and grows and grows. So we cannot emphasize that point enough. Like when I, in my work, what I see, and this happened in my life too, is that the anxious mind is great at convincing itself this situation or this place or these people are not safe for me. I'm not safe in this spot. And um, Which unfortunately could be your classroom your house, your all the places you have to go every day. Well, we, your workplace, right? I mean, it, that's we, typically what it is. Uh, it was for me. I yeah. mean, I would. Uh, I worked in a spot that I convinced my. So instead of listening to it and and listening to the little voice, the little anxious voice telling me, maybe John accounting isn't the right career for you, mm-hmm. given that you have no acumen for it whatsoever. And all, you've ever, in it. and all you've ever thought about doing is practicing psychology. If I, if I thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to that little voice and start to take steps gently out of this one career and into the next, my body was saying, 
you're screwed and you're stuck here forever. Go in the bathroom and panic. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on Hold to on the, the walls. <laughs> Let the floor fall from underneath you, you know, as if you're dying or something horrible is happening because you're panicking. Let the... Uh, let the walls and the floor and the ceiling distort your perception so that you're like on the worst acid trip ever. And then know? by all means, go back into your cubicle and do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and knowing very little about biochemistry, drink Cokes to assuage <laughs> your anxiety. Ease the pain. Right. Um, but now, um, to your point... There is a, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I find it to be one of the most insane things that has happened in my field since I started. In the book of clinical diagnoses is a diagnosis called school refusal, such that a child can, in their anxious thinking, believe that school is not a safe place for them. Right. Okay. So we label that. We give them a name for that. Okay, we're going to call that school refusal. So by the time a kid gets to me and has worked with another therapist and a psychiatrist and you know a couple other people who have validated, oh, yes, you suffer from school refusal, a child will be able to say to me in this sincere way, well, I can't go to school. I, I have, have school, school refusal. refusal. I have the thing. I have this disorder. And and it's been verified by professionals who know, right? I mean, like, think about how to have your anxieties validated with, you know, oh, yeah, you have yeah. this thing. Yeah, you have a thing. The monster's real. Yeah. You know, the, oh, yeah. the monster is real and waiting for you. You can't go there Wait, unless you take a pill. Do you think that diagnosis came from drug companies? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. What? Um, so... Let's let's have a quick tutorial. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so I had a client years ago, who was a patent attorney, um, and she was brilliant, and and I and she taught me an awful lot mm -hmm. about my own business. So here's here's what happens: uh, drug companies. Um, about thirty five years ago, um, Prozac was developed for something completely different, for, for a medical condition. Oh. Um, it, it, nobody was thinking about something for uh, mental health. And the only things we did were Mother's Little Helper, like the, um, the Rolling Stones song. We were doing Valium. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you're not feeling well? You're hysterical. Let's have a Valium. Calm down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's have a Valium. Go to sleep for a long time, you know? Have a Valium, maybe a martini. That should do it. Yeah. And it usually did. Um, and then, and then Pfizer, I think, not to not to name anybody as the bad guy because there's several of them, um, and its business come, stumbles upon Prozac, realizes, oh, this seems to have some vague impact <laughs> on depression. We're going to do a host of clinical trials and test it on depression and anxiety. Eh, there's a little something there. Okay, so. Now we've got something new on the market for depression and anxiety. So other drug companies take note and realize, okay, so what is that doing? That is a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. I could spend a few moments yeah, okay. telling you what that is, but effectively it's how the cells work in the brain, how they, how they manage. It's kind of this uh, chemical management system in the brain for serotonin. So... Um, all the other drug companies 
decided, well, we're going to come up with an SSRI too. Okay. And then in order to have a reason for the next drug, you have to come up with a diagnosis that matches it. So it's like, oh, this is a premenstrual depression. PMDD is now a thing. Yeah. And school refusal. We're going to have, we're going to have, if this drug, because our patent's only valid for 20 years. So if I have a drug that manages just generalized anxiety disorder, now I need to come up with a new disorder and I need to lobby the APA to get that disorder so that I can use that, I can shift the patent so I get another 20 years out of that drug. Otherwise, otherwise it goes generic and I don't make anything from it. Got it. Got it. So that's how we make our R&D back. Welcome to mental health. <laughs> Welcome to, to, to the vast world of uh, the combination of mental illness and um, uh, the economics of it. You know, yeah. like it's, um, it's a little scary. So that's how that goes. So if you carry a mental illness, treat it, manage it, but also recognize that somebody derived that. Somebody came up with that. All that is is a cluster of symptoms that a few people, more than one person has, right. you know? Um, anxiety works the same way. Anxiety works the same way. And, um, and most of us, if not all of us, carry that little voice. And let's face it, Valium, Xanax, Clonopin, uh, Ativan, there are many, many medical ways to manage this stuff. And they are very effective when uh, prescribed by the right doc and all that stuff. But I think you and I would both argue the vast majority of us have no need for that if right. we can just attend to the loop, recognize yeah. it's there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it recognize the story that we're telling ourselves. We don't realize what, what's making us free fall. Like, what, what are we afraid right. of? What right. are the thoughts? Um, and, and do they, are they true? You know, if you can recognize what the thoughts are and pose that question, um, they're, they're typically not true. We write this story. We have these thoughts that we may or may not recognize. And then we look for evidence to make them true. Yeah. And so you can spend a lot of time, um, and I, well, I'll just finish that thought. You can spend a lot of time kind of um, marinating and all of that and feeding it if you don't pay attention. Right. And the, but the great news is, is that we can always, that it's 98% unnecessary and we can always shift out of it. Yeah, exactly. And, and, that, and, and that, that's really what we wanted to talk about. That's what we want the takeaway to be. It is not necessary for you to feel that way. If you change the way you look at things, you can shift out of it. Yeah, and that adage that yeah. adage is not BS. That is the truth. When you, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. So, I think the primary takeaway here, um, the the uh, assignment is yeah. um, when you catch yourself, and and this is a rare thing, but try to do this. Try to pay attention. Just check in with yourself a couple of times a day or when you kind of lock up, when your breath catches, when you feel that that kind of vague, um, anxious feeling with the, where it's like, mm, I, I'm not, I don't feel very good. I don't feel right, you know, or, you, or there's this pervasive hum 
of anxiety. See if you can grab a thought out of the sky. And even a thought, understand what, what do you, what am I thinking? What's going through my mind and write it down. And, 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 and and you might have to do this a dozen times before you see the pattern, but, but I've done this. I'm telling you guys, this is what, this is what therapy is. This is what cognitive behavioral therapy is. This is the therapy that works. And so if you can identify that thought, first of all, you are about 80% toward managing it. Yeah. You really are just knowing, okay, that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. And then you can start to really put it to the sniff test. Okay, is this true? Sometimes it is. You know, I'm in the wrong job. I want to lose weight. This relationship isn't working. Sometimes it's perfectly true. Well, I'm and, not and, parenting very effectively. Right. And, and I, I've said this before too, but I, you know, in, in like big times of transition, I can feel a little untethered and unglued and I can tell when I'm over-emotional, right? Right. <laughs> I over-emotionalize everything. <laughs> so lately I've just been like writing like little blurbs down about how great everything is. And, and, and I don't mean that in a flippant way. It's like true. Like there's so many things that are amazing in our lives. And some, so that if I, you know, wake up in the middle of the night and I feel a little off, I will literally look at what I wrote and just remember, oh yeah, <laughs> I, everything's good. And that's not a difficult ex- exercise. No, that's probably no. pretty enjoyable and, and heartening, right? It works. So, so that's the I usually call that tenacity, like you know, but maybe maybe that's not quite the right word because um, because it's so liberating. But that's that's the counterbalance you need to create for anxiety is exactly what you do, like that that instinct to write, like okay, so what's what's working? What's the counterpoint? Um, but if you can just grab onto the anxious thought, then you can start thinking about counterpoints. It's almost a natural thing to do, to way like, okay, what's, what's going perfectly well? And here's the crazy thing. You know, we it, somehow, and, and this is a different podcast. This is a discussion for a different time, I think. But we've created this culture of vigilance for what's wrong. Yes. Right? Yes. So oddly enough, you know, there are cultures on this planet where they don't have the luxury of doing that. You know what I mean? Like, but people are still are out there surviving. They don't have time. They don't have time, right? You know what I mean? They got to hunt and gather and stuff. <laughs> you yeah. know, we happen to be in a place where we can be, we can consider the way we consider. We can think the way we about the way we think. Yeah. And this is a great, <laughs> this is a great thing to have the luxury of. Maybe. It's also, it's also the. the I don't know. It's also great for business, which is bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so, and it's curious that. We don't spend our time thinking like, how lucky are we? You know, we're in this first world nation. We have jobs. We have money. We have shelter. We have all the food we could possibly want. Everything is fabulous, you know? We're not thinking that. We have the luxury of thinking, well, what could be wrong, though? I might... What if what if this isn't perfect? What if I'm, I'm doing the wrong job? You know what I mean? What if what I'm fat? What else could I be doing? <laughs> <laughs> or like, right? What else could I be doing? What yeah, if I'm so, going bald? So what the, am I going to do then? So the common. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Literally, like I, the other day in the shower, a little bit of hair came out in my hand, and it must have just been, you know, I think when I was. Like rolling on the roller after after working out the other day, I caught some of my hair underneath the roller. Like I remember, I pulled, but I, you know, I went and checked my pillow. Like I thought, oh my god, my hair's falling out. Ooh. Anywho, no, but the combination of 
looking for things to worry about and also not recognize that our, the default thoughts, you know, that we don't even uh, uh, subconscious, unconscious thoughts we have about ourselves are negative about how we don't measure up. Right. Um, and how that's fueled. You know, we know the million ways that that's fueled these days. You know, you can compare, you can look anywhere and see a way better version, you know, of everything right. and everybody um, on your phone. But Which are um, also fiction a lot right, of the time. Right, right. Yeah. know that. But um, to the degree, you know, that you can stop and know what you're thinking, identify what you're feeling... Um, and, you know, and what you're doing and then think about what you want to be thinking, what you want to be feeling, what you want to be doing. Um, you can shift out of that. Definitely. There, there's no doubt about it. So, so that's, so start by just identifying it. And, um, and this is sincerely, I think this is a hard thing to do. I mean, this took me personally a long time to figure out, and it took me even longer to figure out I needed somebody's help in doing it. Um, so actually, what helped me in the end most manage my anxiety and recognize my anxious thinking was when we were at IPEC, when we were in our coaching school. Yeah. So I went through grad school in psych and never really... I kind of went through there to get through there. You know, I, I, I wasn't um, overly, I wasn't looking at myself a whole lot, you know, because, and I was going through some family traumas. I had lost my dad and my brother. And so I was kind of just working through some real time things. And maybe in the curriculum, there isn't as much self-reflection and self-understanding right. um, as in coaching school. You do a ton of that. So my, my point is that um, if you find that this is a struggle at all, don't hesitate to talk to a coach or a therapist or, or somebody who is trained to help help identify those things because that can be a quicker, easier process. It's, think about how much easier it is to read someone else than it is yourself, even if, you're, if you have no training in this stuff whatsoever. You know what I mean? Well, if somebody and comes also, and tells you, you know, like, oh, I'm really worried about X, and you're like, oh, my gosh, you so don't have to worry about right, that? Right. Now, you know, like... But it's it's when you're in your own mind and you're stuck in the loop, perspective is tough to gain. It, that's a perfect word, perspective. And yeah, and if you can take the time, you know, just to have that, create that space for yourself where you can just stop and think and get clarity. Yeah. You will feel a thousand percent better. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Um, uh, I was thinking about... Um, I'm a big fan of Seth Meyers because I think he's really, really smart. And um, he he did this thing the other day. Uh, this is this has nothing. So so yeah. you guys get what we're talking about when it comes to anxiety. He did this thing. Uh, I can't remember what he called it, but it was something like, "Here's the story we we need right now." Yeah. Um, and <laughs> the story he told was because we just you know sometimes we have enough. All this noise coming at us, not much of it is good noise, not much of it is good news. So he talked about this story. Um, so I'll, I'll share this briefly for those because I don't know if everybody stays up late enough to to watch Seth. So uh, having nothing to do with anything, this grandmother is uh, babysitting. The grandchild is upstairs asleep. She goes out to put a bumper sticker on her car that says, well-behaved women rarely make history. Huh. A bobcat <laughs> runs up the driveway and jumps at her throat. 
and she strangles it. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and when the news went to interview her, um, they said, is there anything about this story we should know other than the fact that your grandmother who's babysitting, you're putting this particular bumper sticker on your car? And she said, well, the baby was sleeping and the windows open, so I had to strangle the bobcat quietly. <laughs> oh, my God. So That is I, random. Uh, it's random, but it, it's a feel-good story. It is. He's it like, is. you know, like, he's like, this badass grandma, we need her yeah, right now. Yeah. So he repeated the story like five times. It was really funny. So anyway, um, you know, I, I'm thinking maybe we'll do that. We'll do, we'll, we're going to bring a little bit of feel-good at the end of every episode. What do you think? Uh, sure. <laughs> I'm not. Does that a feel good story? Uh, it's funny. Do it's you feel bad bizarre. for the bobcat? Be honest. A little bit. The bobcat was gonna kill her. No, 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 no. I get it. No, no, no. Right. She yeah. had scratches she, and stuff. No, the bobcat could have killed her. That would have been horrible. Yeah, that's a, what. It, yeah, it's a pretty yeah, good yeah. story. And yeah. the baby slept. Badass grandma. Yeah, badass grandma. Yeah. This is the undue anxiety episode of the Better Podcast. Yeah. If that makes any so sense. So feel better. Feel better. Um, Julie, yes. where can people listen to this podcast here we have? iTunes, Podbean, and drjohnduffy.com. Um, and please um, subscribe and pass oh, it yeah. on if you guys like it. And write a review. Uh, that's oh, a yeah, good thing. Yeah. Like a, a review on iTunes always. Would be uh, so great. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> would, that'd be awesome. And then you can put stars on it, a five-star review. Yeah. If you're feeling five. that. Yeah. Five stars. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like everybody, <laughs> I love you, Julie Duffy. I love you, honey. All right. We will talk to you guys next time. Five stars. Five stars. Take care.